Hey, this is Marty McCoy from The Lonely Ones. Rock is not dead. Yeah, it's always raining in my head And I can't get out of bed I got the eternal sadness Cobras and Fire. This is LC, and I am with Marty McCoy of the Lonely Ones today, and uh, former, formerly of Bubble Flex. How are you today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm excellent, and uh, glad to have you on the show. Bubble Flex is uh, they're basically one of our, um, I would say, the newer crop of bands about a decade ago that kind of gave us hope for, for rock and roll. One's like Texas <laughs> hippie, seriously, it's like Texas hippie coalition, Danko Jones, mustache, monster truck, just to throw up, throw a, a couple of the ones out there. So, you know, happy to have you on the show. And, um, uh, I'm glad you put us in with monster truck. I love that band. Yeah. They're just excellent band. And yeah. So, so essentially I just want to kind of start off with, um, just talking about the lonely ones and and kind of how that came about and and kind of the plans for for this this new band of yours. All right. Well, the lonely ones came about. Um, Bobo Flex was doing really really well. Um, we had built this 
this thing up from the you know from the garage all the way to the big stage and uh i was you know i was having the time of my life and and was really seeing you know the crowds bigger and bigger and the spotify numbers and radio stations and all that stuff really really finally getting to a place where i felt you know not like a loser (laughs) okay not like a loser with cool hair um and then my my brother um who was you know founding member and huge driving force with me behind in the band um he decided that you know he wanted to be home and and his daughter turned 13 years old and that was a huge milestone in his life and her life and he and he, he was like you know he just didn't want to miss any more piano recitals or miss any more you know volleyball you know games or anything like that um so he decided you know it was time to 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 come home and 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 that's when he was his happiest is you know when he was being a dad and we right. could see that we could see it on his face it was it was you know glaringly obvious um he loved being in the band and, and loved being on stage and touring and stuff but he was the most most happiest that that piece that was missing um was that constant in his life of of being home and and you know being the dad and so we understood i mean it was heartbreaking and stuff but we supported him and, and understood exactly where he was coming from. Um, and the rest of us, the remaining members of Obaflex, were like, well, we feel like we're just getting started, you know. Um, so we decided, it was like, you know, let's change the name because Sean was such a huge driving force that it wouldn't have been right to continue as Bobaflex without him, uh, which was scary at first. But then after, you know, we had, you know, processed this information and realized it was over, it was like a breakup, you know, once you get over the heartache you realize you get to go out and and and, and find new things and, and so it was really exciting for us to just you know and i wouldn't say we started over because we had have such a loyal fan base and wonderful people um that surrounded bow flex it was like instead of starting from square one we felt like we could start about square five and and do something new and exciting and 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 do things differently um so that's where we're at and so far, so good. You know, besides the pandemic hitting right when we lost or launched launched a yeah. new group, um, yeah, yeah that, was, that was a bit strange. It's like, there's our first hurdle. And and then they also are like, Sean, look, you didn't have to tour anyway, yeah. <laughs> right? Not enough time to where you were like, ah, let's go back on the road. Um, but yeah, so you know, Jimmy and I and Tommy and Jake were were you know we were heartbroken and and kind of you know it was freaked us out it's like this is something we put our lives into and and now it's over and there's no turning back what do we do and then we decided you know we enjoy playing music with each other um like i said we were just getting started we're hitting our we're hitting our stride as writers i think you know with the bow flex stuff we were getting better and better every album so it just made sense to continue um change the name that way we could you know bow flex is great i love it but i want it off of me you know i want something new i want i want this excitement this this you know kind of thing and and so we just when we decided to do that everybody's attitudes kind of changed like oh okay these are the cards we're dealt let's play let's play our hand and and uh it's us four members we're we're a well-oiled machine together um like i said we're hitting our stride and riding together and we just decided let's let's use everything that we had for boba flex and that excitement of you know from the industry of who's this new band um and let's let's see what happens let's see how it goes and and we've been really lucky with our fan base they've just kind of you know just kind of moved over with us we were like yeah sucks bobaflex is over but let's see what you guys got and then we released our first song and they were like we're all in 
Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, first off, what an album to go out on. You know, Eloquent Demons. I mean, uh, I love that record. Love I mean, that record. I, I mean, I have uh, between we we have all kind of a scale of you know albums that hit all the check marks and the album cover. You know, amazing. You've got that's, uh, that's Kyle Hotz. Kyle Hotz did that. It's H O T Z, um, and he's a comic book artist. And he yeah. was, we found out that he was a fan of the band, and and you know we thought. You never know. Like we asked this guy, like, oh, we love his work. My brother's a huge comic book fan and, and knew exactly who he was and asked, you know, just send him a message. And he's like, oh, I love the band. I'd love to do it. And that was one of the first times that we'd ever sent something to an artist. And his first rendition came back. We were like, oh, my God. My brother said, make my horns bigger than my brother's. <laughs> that was the only change. Um, and so he blew us away with that. And it was it's one of my favorite album covers that we've ever had. Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I'm assuming the title was first. And you said we're calling the album "Eloquent Demons," and they went from there. Is that kind yep. of what it was? Yeah. 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 Sean, um. Sean came up with the name, and I was like, "Oh, I love that name. That's amazing." Um, and then the guy sent, you know, Sean, and he talked on the phone for like 20 minutes, and that was the thing he sent us back. That was the cover he sent back, and I was just like, my jaw dropped. I was like, "That's amazing." I mean, he nailed Jimmy and Tommy, like on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, on Facebook, if they put that picture up, it tags them because it's so, you know what I mean? Oh, <laughs> you mean yeah. automatically it does. Okay. Yeah. That's, so that's pretty funny. He knocked it out of the park. And, you know, my, I couldn't have been happier. And it was a dream for my brother for this, for Kyle to do the album cover. It made him so happy. And, and like you said, what a what an album to go out on. I, I listened to it the other day. Um, and not to toot my own horn, I was on a long drive and, and my Bluetooth was acting weird for some reason. And so I was like, oh, well, the Eloquent Demons album is on the floor, a floorboard of my car unopened. So I popped it in and listened to it all the way through, you know, without a producer ear and without that kind of, oh, we could have done this different. And I, I hadn't listened to it so long. It was like, it was new to me again. And I was like, this is a sonic masterpiece. This album rules. Why did you quit? What the hell's the matter? <laughs> what? So that's like, like um, I think my two favorite um albums are charlatan's web and that one because they're they're quick hitters you know you got just basically nine songs an intro and um the production on those i was going to ask too is that you know there are bands with bigger budgets things like that and is this all done in the same studio because it's just the the sonics are excellent funny that you said sonics uh the place is called sonic lounge it's in columbus ohio it's in grove city ohio Um, we've done most of our records there and we've grown the guy that uh, owns the studio is my best friend. His name's Joe Veers. And I've been recording with him since like 97, 98. And I've seen him grow as a, as a producer and an engineer and go from uh, a great studio that worked out to having his own studio. Um, I talk to him every morning. I talked to him for an hour and a half this morning. Uh, he's, like I said, one of my best friends. And he's just, he's incredible. And We've grown with him as as songwriters, and, and I wouldn't go anywhere else. I'd love that guy, and he just gets better and better every day, and it's a wonderful – I've walked in there, 21 Pilots were in the studio. I've seen Star set in there. I've seen the Georgia Satellites, Dr. Okay. Paul, okay. and this guy's just – he's just incredible, and he's one of the most solid people that I've ever met, just kind and just – if he says he's going to do something, he does it, and he there's not a mean bone in his body, and he just works like – if, if we're going in to record a record, um, he just, you know, he's all in from start to finish. And 
just really cares about our band and and i just i i i there's so many good things i could say about him we could do an hour-long interview about about that studio and about you know joe veers he's, he's incredible yeah that's that's what really stands out um uh as far as as far as just the production is just is just outstanding so i'm guessing that he all uh you also worked with him for eternal sadness your first single is that same studio same everything absolutely absolutely yeah we okay. recorded so that our record uh the love it was record is done um, oh that's what that was my next question if it was going to be an ep or a full length okay excellent it's done but as far as the music industry changes so fast and and i jimmy said it the other day and it cracked me up he said i never thought you know my dream of being in a in a national touring rock band that I would say the word algorithm so much. <laughs> right. But, you know, so with the Spotify algorithms and things like that, the way people get their music these days, it's like putting out records just doesn't putting out a full length album to me doesn't make any sense. Um, it's like, you know, you got to stay in people's faces. So we're releasing each song as a single first. Then when the album, when when we're done releasing singles, we'll put it out as a, a as a full length record and start working on the next one. Because my my thoughts are, do you remember what you saw on Facebook 15 minutes ago? The answer no. is no. No, I, I I agree, and I'll go into more about the Spotify and how that works for the industry because we always hit on that too. But the but I got to tell you, you know, a lot of times when bands reform or do side projects or things like that, you're like, ah, how is this going to go? But when Eternal Sadness hit. I was like, wow, this is in your face. It's <laughs> got, it's got, and I mean, from everything from the bridge to the next level to the outro with the, uh, the vinyl, you know, sound and things like that. I was like, okay, I'm in, but <laughs> like you said, you know what I mean? So it's, it wasn't really a deviation from kind of the sound you, you created. Would you agree? I would say it's a deviate. I would say, the, the plan was to take all the things that we did in Boba Flex that we really liked and were our strong suits and push them 110%. And all the things that we didn't like, never do again. And okay. the other difference is that Jake and Jimmy are original members of this band. And in Boba Flex, we never told them, you know, you can't do this. And Sean, Tommy, and I are the leaders. And this is just how it goes. We would never do that. But subliminally, I feel like they felt that way a little bit. Um, sure. You know, they were able to spread their wings and do what they could do in Boba Flex. Um, but with this band, it's, they're in from the ground up. So their influences are definitely coming in way stronger. And I love that. I think it's great. Jake is a more modern kind of guy. You know, like bands like uh, Bring Me the Horizon and I Prevail and, and, and stuff that he's really turned me on to. Um, and Jimmy's more of a 70s kind of guy. Me and Tommy are more like Pink Floyd and Tool. And so, like, all these influences are coming in with no bias and and you know let's just write a great song and, and it doesn't matter you know who came up with it or, or what influences it comes from and we always did that in bubble flex too um but this you know it feels like they're not that they weren't invested they were 100 percent invested in in bubble flex but this feels like you know it's their baby from the ground up as well and they're definitely a lot more vocal and a lot more you know things that where they felt maybe they were stepping on toes they don't feel that way now they're like no this is what i think and it's like cool <laughs> so so when picking the the name lonely ones i mean wh where did that come from i mean why so lonely um well okay so it's it's quite a quite a good story well I, not a good story but it's a there's there's many reasons um when you're in a rock and roll band and you're living your dream and you're going out on the road and you're playing shows and and the crowd singing back to you. It's this huge high feeling. Um, but you lose relationships back at home. You lose, you know, 
I had some really personal stuff that was devastating to me that happened um, right before Sean left the band. It was like this huge shit storm. I mean, are we allowed to cast on here? Uh, it, yeah, you can say whatever you want. Please, okay. please. I, I, we celebrate profanity. All right. It was this huge shit storm of things that happened to me all at once. It was like, um, and, you know, I, I realized part of it is because of my lifestyle and, and, and the, the occupation that I chose. It's like the reason why Sean left the band. It's like it is a wonderful job. Um, but you miss things like, you know, volleyball games and, and birthdays. And, you know, we got to the level in our career that we didn't miss Christmas and Thanksgiving and birthdays and shit like that. But, you know, the everyday thing of uh, you get home at five o'clock and, and your significant other's there and you have this normal life. That's that's not feasible for what we do so that's kind of lonely you know what i mean it's like you have these wonderful moments where you're singing and there's a thousand people in the room singing back to you and that huge high and then you go head down the highway and you're bumped for 12 hours while right. other people go home and and kiss their wives and and you know wake their kids up for school and stuff like that we don't have that 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 doesn't happen for us which is okay i'm i'm fine with that but you know there's moments where you're like ah you know i I wonder what that would be like. Um, like, you think about that sometimes when you're showering at 24-hour fitness. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's kind of your 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 style, right? You got the you got the tour bus, and that's it. You go town to town and avoid hotels. I think that came yep. up in a previous. Yeah. Yep, we go to the Planet Fitness and we take showers. And we Planet, all right. <laughs> okay. And we work. I gave Planet Fitness a plug. They've, they've been really good to us. Um, <laughs> you know, and you go work out and you take showers, and and it's you know. It becomes kind of, you know, a welcoming place because they're they're pretty much laid out the same. So that becomes your morning routine. And, um, and you know, it, but it is one of those things. It's like I've lost relationships that I really didn't want to lose because things not not anybody's fault. Things just happen. You know, it's like people have children and people or people want to have children or people want to do these things that, that sometimes I can't do because, you know, I'm I'm in you know, Cedar Falls, Iowa playing a show that's very important to me and to other people you know after a while it's the the mystique and the stigma wears off of oh it was cool dating this guy in a band but this guy in a band's never here right it's a it gets a little lonely and and it doesn't only suck for us it sucks for the people you're trying to forge these relationships with it's like god it's got to be rough to be like okay well you know i'm sleeping alone again tonight because my uh you know, my significant other is, uh, you know, a thousand miles away. And I'm, I'm sure that kind of goes into the songwriting for like eternal sadness, which I, I, which is one of my favorite type of songs where it's the subject matter is, is, is a bit dark and then, yep. but it's actually an upbeat song. I, I, we, I love to do that where it sounds like a party, but then if you dig in, you're like, Oh, <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. And I, I feel like that connects with people a lot. So that was the, the point of eternal sadness was I was really down in the dumps. Like I said, I had, you know, some personal stuff going on that was, I, I didn't see coming, hit me like a Mack truck. Um, and I was really down in the dumps. And then Sean decided to leave the band. So the two things that I thought were a very solid, consistent thing in my life that were very important to me are now gone out of nowhere. Bam, nothing I can do about it. Um, so I was in a pretty dark place and, and some things ran through my head that never ran through my head before. Um, and so that's what I wanted to do was, you know, instead of it took me a while to realize a lot of people feel this way. And I always, you know, feelings and things like that, I kind of push them away like, oh, that's lame. Don't be that way. Um, 
so that's the, the concept of that song was I really had to get this out on paper, but at the same time, I felt like, oh, depression's this new thing. Everybody's doing it. That's why it has that swing kind of 60s dance feel. Like, oh, right. it's the new thing, like the jitterbug. Everyone's doing it. You can do <laughs> okay. it. You know, it's hip. It's cool. You can do it, too. It's how I felt like, oh, okay, I'm one of those guys now. Um, I didn't want to be that way. Um, but, what you know, so that was the whole concept. Of, so it's, the song was, you know, has many many levels like an, or many layers like an onion <laughs> sure like a delicious sad onion uh, yeah okay a delicious sad onion uh <laughs> work, work, working title right i think so yeah um so i got uh the lonely ones the song which which can't i know that you said that the, the inspiration for it but which came first the chicken or the egg song uh, or, eternal, or band name eternal sadness was first the lonely ones was second i am the came first and then the song came second um and it was a, it was a, the same kind of concept it was like you know that the life-changing events and then i really got to see some people's true colors and and like oh okay um so that's you know the lonely one was like when i wrote that song it was like the lyrics are so true it's not just you know hey these these are lyrics that everybody can connect with these were these, these lyrics are really personal like the line I've been stabbed in the back so many times, some things that happened. I was like, I was like, ah, I can't believe this is happening. And this, you know, this person that I, that I trusted just did that. Oh my God. And, you know, just I, my eyes were open, you know, wide open. Um, and so, yeah, those lyrics are absolutely, they sound kind of like, you know, kind of like they could mean anything, but they mean, you know, there are, there are things that happen like, literally right in front of my face so i'm not talking about 
all this is generalized. It's like, nope, this is about what this happened last week. This happened today, and this happened 24 minutes ago. Yeah. So, so it's pretty. Like I said, the and that's why Flash came about, just because Jimmy was like, "Dude, you're in a dark place," and 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 the album and the music was reflecting it, which I like. But we need some kind of uplifting thing on this record for God's right. sake. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So <clears throat> yeah, so you, you can't be more upbeat than, than Flash or 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 pretty much anything by Queen. Yeah, a cartoon hero that's going to save us all. I was like, well, that'll balance it out. That's right. It had to be be extreme because it was a pretty dark record. I gotcha. (laughs) But will will there be, uh, so on this record, besides like including that, will there be anything like Lights Out or more, uh, you know, party type songs too? Or is it all kind of that same vein? Um, It's it's all pretty dark. Uh, Okay. But the next next song um, that we're coming out with is a love song. It's called Real Big Trouble. It doesn't feel like a love song. Um, like you said, it's, you know, I like the I like the meanings to be, you know, not wildly obvious. I think you got to dig in. Um, it's called Real Big Trouble. And it's like, it's like, you know, met a girl and, and, and it's like, I'm never doing that again. And then some things happen. I'm like, oh, man, I'm in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I gotcha. Um, yeah. So but here's... The songs about I was like oh man I'm doing it again I'm in trouble um, um, and Jake was like so Jake's this next song the next two songs that are coming out you can really feel Jake's guitar style really coming through the last two songs were more my guitar style the next two songs are Jake's guitar style are a lot more complicated riffs a lot more metal uh, influenced um, which is Tommy's bread and butter you know Tommy loves Tommy's a metal guy um, you know his playing styles like that um so we kind of had to you know jimmy's jimmy's kind of more loose rock kind of feel guy jake's jake's guitar style these next two songs are definitely more jake influence on on the uh guitar which is awesome i'm excited for everybody to hear it cool um here's a quick question from um one of our fans who actually saw who actually saw you your last concert <clears throat> i think your officially last boba flex concert in indy does that sound right or outside of indianapolis was that your last yeah yeah and we okay were a we were a four-piece then yes so that was my question is he said that he heard a new song that day yep. and he doesn't remember what it was which one was it it was the lonely one okay okay that got it so that, that uh that confirms his question he wanted to make sure that was that was correct a little trivia so Oh, I did not know that though. This so you were, Sean was already not in the band at that point. Got it. Yeah, okay. he just like we had another six week tour, and he was like, oh, I can't do it, man. I can't do another six week tour because last the the last year, last two years, we did 153 shows, 160 shows a year. That's a brutal schedule. Um, My God, every other day, basically. Basically, yeah, and and he was just like, ah, oh, man. And we had to meet our obligations, and and we thought too, you know, it was it was discussion between the five of us. It was like, well, we need to figure out. We'll go out and do it as a four piece because we need to figure out if this four piece thing's going to work. Right. Um, it's a lonely ones model that we want to do. We didn't want to bring anybody else into the band because it's like, well, there's another person. You never know what you're going to get. We know what we're going to get with the four of us. We're all on the same page. So we'll go do this last Bobo Flex tour, meet our obligations, and and for the fans and for the you know the promoters and that kind of thing. Um, can you hear me? Somebody's calling in. Is that, is that no, up? I, I totally hear you. Okay. Um, so we'll go do that and, and that'll prepare us for hit the ground running with the lonely ones. Um, and it, 
it worked out well. Our first show was in front of like 9,000 people. It was like, okay, no chance to warm up anything. Just go. And, and it Where worked was out really well. And we be, we got really, really tight and really, really comfortable. It was a four-piece. And that show that that guy saw was one of the last ones where we were just firing on all cylinders. Where, where was the 9,000 at? Some fest, I assume? Uh, yeah, it was uh, Rock Fest. Rock USA or Rock Fest. One of them in Wisconsin. Always getting confused. Um, and it was incredible. We were headlining the second stage. And there were so many. It was outdoors. There were so many people that people were taking pictures of the concert. I, I don't even know how many people were there. But they were taking pictures where I looked like an ant on stage. Like, <laughs> not like somebody's ant, but like the insect. Right, right. I gotcha. <laughs> a A N T is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, so on that too, um, are you guys still based in Columbus? Yep. Okay. So, <clears throat> the first time I saw you guys live was at Rock on the Range, I think in 2010 or 11. One of those yep. two. And and the always thing, I, and I went to several ones after that, but I always thought curious. And I just and we always go to the industry stuff. You know, that one is right in your backyard, but that was the only time I think you guys played there. And what was up with AEG or Danny Wimmer or what's... Well, we, we, we played it twice. Um, okay. And they were both incredible for us. It was one of the coolest shows that I had ever played. It was outrageous. And the second time that we played, my, my parents came to the show and my brother and I uh, took off with my parents. We, you know, we stayed for a little bit. And my parents were in town and they're older and, and it's a pretty good drive. So, and so we, you know, went and had dinner with my parents and, and left the festival and, and, you know, uh, we're on our best behavior. My drummer who, uh, Tommy, not my drummer. I hate when I say that, uh, the drummer, Tommy's like the greatest drummer ever. Um, he's a super chill guy. He's wonderful. Um, so he stayed at the concert, had a good time. Um, but we had a guitar player. I think this is what happened. I'm not sure. We had a guitar player incredible guitar player at the time but he got wasted i think he fucking acted like a dipshit and caused us not to be able to come back really i think okay. so. no one's ever come out and said that but knowing how he like because i had to leave or i'd have watched him babysit him like no he got shit housed um and he was an idiot when he was drunk so and he was in the backstage think, causing issues and stuff i, I guess. think so I, I like i you know i would and, you know, Bogoflex was notorious for our partying, but we were always cool. We were always, you know, yeah. it wasn't like we broke bottles on the floor and screamed and yelled in trash dressing rooms. We just, you know, we had way high tolerances. <laughs> you were cool like Lemmy. You didn't cause any issues. You just drank. Uh, I wouldn't say that cool, but I'd say cool. <laughs> uh, Okay. But uh, I think that's what happened. No one's ever come out and said that. But, I mean, as, as you know, the, the fan base that we had in the area and around surrounding states – it was like, I, I don't understand why we wouldn't have been yeah, invited back because of that, you know, because of what, you know, the fan base that we had and, and the people that wanted to see us there. I think that's what happened. I'm not sure because I wasn't there. But if I was a detective, I would say that messed it up for us. Wow. But, yeah, you know, yeah. I don't know. I'm not 100 percent sure. But that's why when everyone's like the lonely ones it used to be bubble flags, I'm like, shh. Quiet. <laughs> yeah, be range. quiet so you can get hooked up on those. See, I, I we always rock in the range. Again. I want to play uh, Sonic Temple so bad again. It was so much fun, and it was oh god, how many people see you there? I mean, that's like that's you know that's the equivalent now of what we have going on tour with Ozzy Osbourne and and 
and no one knowing who your band is. And then when the tour is over, you're, everybody knows who your band is. And it's right. like, I love that experience so much. And I think that's what, ha- I mean, like I said, if I had, if I was a guessing man, I would think that's what happened. And I can understand that. Um, I have, I won't mention the guy's name, but I had many instances of like, what are you doing? Why gotcha. are you, you know, we had another guitar player, our original guitar player, won't mention his name either, did some dumb shit in the House of Blues in Orlando, Florida, and got us banned from there. And it's like Jesus. myself, Tommy, myself, Tommy, and Sean are all like really super nice guys, and, and like we have to pay for these idiots' mistakes. It's like, that's why, you know, the new band, everybody's super cool. Their alcoholism is in check. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was going to say. You said, like, can you play guitar? And can you handle your alcohol? Those are the, yeah. those are the, are you, the interview yeah, questions. They're all super nice, super chill, super, uh, you know, on the same page, uh, goal-oriented guys. And it's like, you know, so uh, hopefully we can mend that relationship. I, I think that's what happened. Like I said, I'm not sure, but I can understand why if that's what it was. No, I got gotcha. you. Because basically what we've heard sometimes from bands is that the uh, – you know, these big fests that kind of play dirty and it's pay to play or there's there's never, all never had that experience. They, That's uh, good. Like, and uh, I've seen, you know, on Sonic Temple, I've seen band like I've seen bands on there that I've never heard of that right. are, you know, that, you know, they're they're giving these band shots and they're they're doing the right thing. And I've never heard any instances of the pay to play. I've never had that happen to me. I think That's just good. I think one man's behavior. Fucked it up for us. Okay. That, I'm, heart, I'm heartbroken. I'll do anything. I'll do anything to get back on there. I'll yeah. watch this. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, like it's always, it's always, a, it, 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 that was always frustrating because I go to a lot of these fests and it's like, why is Boba Flux? And they're all owned by AEG and Danny. Well, a lot of them are. So, okay. Does that, thanks for answering that question. Um, yeah. Well, you know how it is. You fuck up one of them. The work, it's a, it's, it's a big industry, but it's pretty small. You know right. what I mean? Everybody talks to everybody and, and I don't know, like I said, I, I'd do anything to mend that relationship. And, and so I hope, I hope that's fixable. So I think that, like I said, I'm not hundred percent sure that's gotcha. what it is, but that's gotta be what it is, man. That's like, right. we put on a good show. We do have a large fan base. Um, so, I mean, it's gotta be something like that. So, so going to, you know, I've, I'm guessing you're, you're itching to get it back on the road or, or is it nice actually with COVID to finally have a break? No, no. You want to get on the road? Oh my God, this is what I do. It's like uh, it's like being a sheep herding dog that someone thought was smart to put in a <laughs> townhome. Okay, all right. So you're you're ready to roll? Yeah. Okay. So when you're when you're touring, here here's another uh, question for you. Is you know it seems like you you hook up with a promoter for a town, Denver, and it's you know you played Herman's Hideaway almost like clockwork once a year, and that's why I've seen yep. you out here. So. But my question is, a lot of times, do you do the bands have any control over the local promoter deciding to put 19 bands before you and you guys start playing at 11 o'clock on a Tuesday? Because for the yeah, that's, 30, that's called not a, that's called not a great promoter. Um, OK, you don't have a whole I mean, it depends. It's like, you know, if you're going into a place that you do OK at, you have, you know, you do shitty or no one knows what's going to happen then yeah, you don't have much control. But if you're going to a place where you know that you're going to sell out, then yeah, you have more control. And what we've learned over the years is, you know, promoting shows is hard. I wouldn't wish it on anybody. Um, it's, I, I feel like it's those people kind of could be gambling addicts. 
you know, like you you win big this night, you lose big this night. And it's, it's very like, to me, it would be so stressful. So I don't, it's like promoters are very important because it is a tough business and the good ones you make relationships with and you keep them forever and you do anything for them. And I'm sure they feel that same way about bands that do great or are easy to work with and do draw crowds and, and do their promotion on their ends. So you build these great relationships with promoters. And sometimes you, you know, you're going into areas or promoters get out of the game and it's a new guy. So you, sometimes you never know what you're getting into, but we've built quite a rapport with a lot of people that, like, you know, if you get a new booking agent, they say, I'm working with this guy again. No, nope, no, you're not. You're working with this guy. Um, so you kind of try to stay in in contact with those people that you know that put in that do great work and don't just, hey, here's 19 bands that are going to sell tickets to their friends that are going to leave. Or at the same time, I understand where the, the fan, the, the crowd's coming from. It's like on a Tuesday, it's called the late movie at nine o'clock for a reason. It's right. Like, you know what I mean? I, who wants to be in a bar at one thirty in the morning besides well, hardcore alcoholics that don't want to go home? Well, that, that that's my thing is that I think this strategy, it, this is widespread. But but in Denver, like, for example, the reason I bring this up is there's been times where I unfortunately could not see you guys live because I knew that you wouldn't start until 11 because they put five bands before it. And I've got kids, you know, their average rock fans yeah. probably in their 30s. And I had to get up at 8 a.m. for work. So it's like, Absolutely. what is the point? It actually it actually makes you not want to go sometimes you know what absolutely I mean? and, and so like so i what i've learned over the years is if you the earlier you play the more people you gain yeah because you know even if someone doesn't know who you are and they're there to see their buddy's band and you and they you know they stick around for a little while and have some drinks and talk and you come on and you're good and they go holy shit who's this but you know at midnight or you know you're going on at midnight and and i want to keep up the bar sales and all that stuff again that's a shitty that doesn't work and I won't no. do it anymore. I won't do it anymore. My contract says 10 o'clock at the latest. That's on a Saturday. 9 o'clock on a through Monday through uh, Thursday. I won't do it um, because I don't want to be in the bar at midnight. I don't want to be, you know what I mean? And I want to play to the largest crowd possible. And, you know, our fans are going to stick around. Um, but, you know, the new people that, that don't know who you are that happen to be in, in the venue – you know, why would, how in the hell would they see you at midnight? Who in the hell wants to be there? You sell, it just, from a business standpoint, you sell more merch, you gain more fans, everybody's happy. They're not wasted out of their mind. They remember the show. It's just better for everyone. You know, with the lonely ones, I'm not sure how it's going to go. So I feel like we prepared for, um, so far, so good. Some of the, the shows that are coming in, um, I thought we were going to go back to being a $300 a night band. Right. That's not been the case. Thank God. Um, right. But at the same time, we have to treat it that way. Like, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know if people are going to give a shit what's going to happen. So, you. you know, we're definitely so, scaling everything down. And, and we're we're coming in on a, a, a on a business model of we have to gain, you know, we'll open for, if a local band's big, we'll open for them. Uh, there's no disrespect to us that, you know, it's like, I want to play in front of the most people and let people hear our music. I, I don't care if we have to set up in front of their drums or anything like that it's like let's get out there and let's play we've scaled everything back you know we're we're not going to come out with as much crew and as much you know 17 amps on stage and that wall of sound like our everything it's it's different now it's like you know let's get in let's put on the best show possible and and you know as in, in, in front of as many people as possible and whatever we have to do to do that is totally fine if there's a band that's 
you know, that's bigger than us in that area, then damn right they should be the headliner. Sure. Okay. So let's move back to Spotify and all right. and and seeing all this. So what is the chance? Like you mentioned algorithm, but you when you this happened to me and 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 this is where I, I think the bit, one of the biggest risks you can have changing your name is the lonely ones. Still, I have this thing called new release radar that I get every week, and supposedly it's supposed to give me all the bands I enjoy. And lonely ones, just so you know, has never shown up in there when their singles come out. Um, maybe that's already fixed there, but. Uh, like, is that a challenge of, you know, you move from Bobo Flux and like, I want that to show up. You know what I mean? I, I've had to hunt down your singles sometimes. Yeah. Um, it's so we're, we're really starting to figure out Spotify. Um, we've got a guy that's, uh, that, uh, came on board on the team that, um, we're building this wonderful team of people. Shauna, Shauna is one of them. Um, and she's, she's brought in some really quality people, um, so yeah, we're figuring out all the all the things of Spotify. Um, there, there's a lot of really cool things that you can do, um, but it's new. You know, it's, it's newer to us. So we brought right. a guy that's that's you know opened our eyes to a lot of things. Um, and now we're on new release. The Lonely Ones is on new release radar. Flash is on new release radar. Uh, and it's that kind of thing where if you know Spotify wants you to stay on their platform, so you do have to. I, when the guy from Spotify came out, the CEO of Spotify came out and said said what he said like a week ago it pissed everybody <laughs> off yeah. but he's not he's not wrong you know what i mean he's not wrong it's like um you have to release new music you have to constantly stay in people's faces and then those algorithms start to take off and they start to you know they work for you um so that's we're in that beginning stages where you know we're figuring out the the ways to to navigate an ever-changing uh music industry and and we're you know jimmy's Jimmy's smarter at that, those things than I am. Um, well, it's got, yeah, it's got to be difficult. I'm just saying that that's that's kind of a risk. And then, does it is there a big payoff? We're well, not big because it's Spotify money, but but um, but like getting on those, you know how some you get these things that say like classic rock playlists or new yeah. rock playlists, and it's these set things that Spotify spits out. Like, how do you get on that? Is this just random? And then do you get more? I'm assuming you get a shitload more plays when you get thrown in those. You do. So once you land one, they start to kind of like there's there's certain tiers. Like so, you know, if you get up to, you know, 10,000 monthly followers, then it starts to push you out to more people. Um, OK. So the like I said, the I would never thought I would say algorithms. I know the algorithms can work for you. Um, you just got to you just got to kind of you got to do the things, you know, you got to let Spotify know that you give a shit about their platform, um, which is, is like any platform. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. You know, if a radio station is going to play you, you got to give that radio station love um, in order for them to give a shit about your band. They get hundreds of thousands of submissions a year. And, um, you know, if, if you aren't plugging them, they're not going to plug you. It's a it's it's the way it works in anything. You know, scratch your back, I'll scratch mine. And Spotify is, is the same way. Um, so when you start to get on those playlists, yes, you start to get way more ears on your song. Now it's like anything you, you can, you can get put out there and if nobody gives a shit, nobody gives a shit, but people start to connect with it and stuff. It's a, it's this organic kind of growing thing. Um, and we're figuring that out and we've been pretty lucky, um, as far as, you know, starting a new band and where our numbers are and things like that. It's, I'm really happy. Like, Holy shit. There's that many people listening to this band that hasn't even toured yet. And, you know, people don't even know about yet. It's, it's moving pretty well. And then, <clears throat> Like I said, we're bringing people on the team that are helping do that. It's like almost like we're creating our own label. Um, 
which, you know, the Lonely Ones wants to do something different. We were totally independent with Boba Flex, and it was wonderful. Um, it was a lot of work. I'd kind of like to do it differently and, and see if see if any record labels are interested and, you know, see if we're interested in the kind of things that they bring to the table. Because we can do it independently. I just like to open for Shinedown and Papa Roach for the rest of the year. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'd exactly. Like to, I'd like to swing for the fences this time. And uh, the independent thing was great. And the reason we did that was because, you know, we were on TVT Records and they were the biggest independent label in the world and they went bankrupt. Yep. Uh, because of how fast the music industry changed. So it was scary for us to even, and it was a nightmare. We were owned by a bank for two years. And we had, and it was, we had to hire attorneys and do all these crazy things to just try to be a band again, um, through no fault of our own. So it was, it was scary at, at that time. We thought, you know, all the record labels could go away. You know, the big ones could go away. Who knows what's going to happen? So we decided to just kind of play it close to the chest and, and, and do our own independent thing. Well, those record labels had weathered the storm and they, you know, they, they'd figured out the way to, to keep the music industry moving and, and, and we, kind of, we want to be a part of that again. So so going to that a l- little bit more, because I was always a little confused on that. So TBT, I think, even had bands like Clutch on it. Um, they, I, had, I, they had Seven Dust. They had um, they had the first couple Nine Inch Nails records. They had Little John, the Ying Yang Twins. They were a big, big label. They were doing some incredible things. They had Default. They had, I mean, their, their roster was massive. They had New Year's Day. Um and they were doing great. And when they signed us, they were like, we want to show the world. Because they did. They they had Pitbull and they, they were kind of focused on the, the hip hop world and they were having okay. great they were having great success with that. Um, but then when they signed us, they were like, We want to show that we can do rock again too. And we were like, I, I mean, I called my mom, I was like, Mama, you know, I, I think I think this might be it. Right. And then bam, they went bankrupt out of nowhere. Um I don't know why, you know what I mean? Um they they were holding it, holding it in. Didn't really tell us why. It was just over, um, and and then the bank owned us, and we so couldn't what, release music. We couldn't do anything for a long time. We were playing shows, selling T-shirts just to pay attorneys to tell us you're screwed one day. No, you're out the next day. No, you're screwed. No, you're out. No, you're screwed. And it went on forever. Um, so you know that that was a really really hard thing to deal with because all we wanted to do was play music and and. And, you know, we were starting to do really, really well. And, and so it was just a scary thing. We didn't know what was going to happen. It wasn't like we were like, screw the big record labels or anything like that. We were just like, they could all go away. Who knows? You know, there used to be a bunch of lamp oil salesmen that ruled the world. And now, you know, now they're gone. So we, we didn't know what was going to happen. So we just kind of thought, well, we can count on ourselves. Um, and then we got into a business model where we were making really good money and we weren't splitting it with anybody. And it just kind of, kind of just stayed that way. And it kind of get, it was getting bigger and bigger and bigger, you know, slower than you would on a major record label with the amount of promotions and connections that they had. But it was, you know, we were paying for our houses and, 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 you know, doing the things that we needed to do. So it was kind of scary to let that go. Um, but the beautiful thing is because of that, we have eight albums that, you know, three of us own that'll never go away. And it keeps raising the numbers, keep going up on the on the streaming platforms and the, the iTunes and stuff like that. So we're allowed to it, it makes us able to take more risks with the lonely ones because we're able to have that, you know, that cushion from from the thing that we built with Boba Flex that keeps keeps on giving. 
So do you do you own Hell in My Heart now, or is it still? No, not- we own, from Hell in My Heart on is ours. Okay, okay, gotcha. So you got that back. Uh, no, we always owned it. Oh, okay. So it was the one right before that. Okay. Yeah. Right, yeah. Got it. Uh, yeah. Uh, Tell us from Dirt Town. D- Dirt, Dirt Town. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's good. Um, so let me see. I'm just going through my little list here. Are you still good with time? Oh, yeah, man. I talk about myself. I can do that all day. <laughs> okay. You like your sound? Yeah. I'll give you the link so you can listen to the sound of your own voice later, too. Right? Right on. All right. Um, so. I guess going with that, besides the music label part, you know, sometimes we have this thing called perfectly rated on the on the show where we look at bands. We're like, okay, I get I get why this band got to a certain level, even though they're they're they've got this following and and things like that. Where for for Bubble Flex, we look at, okay, they look like rock stars. They sound great. Like usually there's like one thing that's wrong is my point. Um, Look like rock stars. Great live, etc. The one thing, just curious, looking back with the name changes, the the name Bubble Flux B personally kind of reminded me of, you know, it's a Star Wars reference, Nerf Herder. When I first hear that name, the band that you are was not the vision that I saw. Um, I agree. I agree. I feel like that was a big mistake. Um, I feel like if we'd have had a name like the Kill City Hitman or something, we'd have got a lot farther. Okay. Um, was one of the reasons why I was like, when, when, like, you know, because we discussed we should just continue as Bobo Flex. We have this, you know, we can make money, we can do this, we can do things more efficient. But I was like, I want to get away from that name. That name turns people off. It just does. You know, um, some people, like, I love the name, but some people just can't get past it. And it doesn't make any fucking sense. But it, right. was, you know, it was, it was, con- it was conceived at a time when bands like Limp Biscuit and Hoobastank were topping the charts and, and, it didn't, and the names like Kiss and Poison were already taken. <laughs> right. There's only so many band names, so at least it's not. Well, the good thing for it is it doesn't have the word Stone or Black in it, because that's every right. other band name, right? Um, but uh, okay, well that's that's that's. Uh, but I agree with you. That name just. Ah, if I could go back in time, I go. What the fuck are you? What What were you thinking? Um, but it became its own thing, and then became too far into the game to change it and, right. and it became, people knew what it was but newer people are like huh and, and you would play them the music I, i'd see it and i'd countless stories of you put people would play people music this band's awesome who isn't and it's a bobo flex again oh i heard of that band i i you know i thought they were uh whatever you know it's right. just that i mean you know having the experience and stuff it's like you know the name is so, super important and that name just fucking stupid
Eloquent Demons for a band name. Pretty badass name. That's a good one. Like, right? you know, we had these great titles, like Apologize for Nothing. And and I loved our music and I loved our songs and stuff. But that name, like, you know how it is. It's like, like you said, rate this band. There's the one glaring thing that we should have done different way. But if I could go back in time and tell my younger self, do not name the band Bogoplex. Wow. That's refreshing to hear. Uh, <laughs> Seriously, because I, I was like, I was like, should I ask this question or is he going to be pissed? So, no, uh, hell no. I mean, that's what that's why I said, you know, we're starting a new band. I want to get out from under that name. We done, did some wonderful things with the band, but you know, we did some thing, we did some pretty fucking stupid things too, and I will never, yeah, and that's with anything, you know. So I'm not like, you know, upset about it. It's just you know, you learn and you grow, and it's like we need a cool name, man. <laughs> yeah, look at you. You're a musician with that can actually have self-reflection and and, uh, and critical thought. You're, you're you're an innovator, Marty. I think so. Right? Yeah. Um, well, I have something actually just on the side uh, to ask, and that is in your bio. And I've also thought also thought this is kind of interesting. Is so you are actually related to the McCoys of the McCoy and Hatfield. Absolutely. Hatfield feud from because uh, you're originally from West Virginia, correct? Yep, born and raised. So what what is that like? Fourth, fifth generation? I don't even know how far the back that goes. I don't I don't even know. Like to me, it wasn't all that interesting. It was just yeah, that's you know, it was like you know, the what really happened was you know the, when I really started to 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 take pride in that was because magazines and radio stations and stuff started to take interest in it when Kevin Costner came out with the with the movie again. So oh, okay. I really wasn't interested and in, and in, not that I wasn't interested. I mean, knew about it and, and it, you know, it's American history and stuff like that, but it wasn't that big a deal to me. Um, but then when radio stations and stuff and magazines that we couldn't get into now all of a sudden they're like, oh, they're from the Hatfields and McCoys, these crazy rednecks that shot each other over a pig. I just was like, okay, cool. Yeah, that's our way in. Let's let's sound bite. Yep. Sure. Yeah. An angle. Um, here's here's a little fact for you though. Are you aware that the uh, the Hatfield McCoy feud is featured in a musical comedy dinner show in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee? Absolutely. Oh, you do? Have you seen it? Oh no, I haven't seen it. But people send me everything. Like people send me all kinds of crazy stuff, and and people sent me the book, and um, like sh- I've seen people that went to that and sent me pictures. Like, oh my god, did you know this is going on? And and uh, 
I, what's so funny is it wasn't the bloodiest feud in American history. It was yeah. just, it's like, it was like, it was the, it's the, the Hill people are killing each other. It was like the first sensationalized kind of thing in the media. Gotcha. You right. know what I mean? It, it was, it was, it, it just, it just was very interesting to people like, oh, these rednecks up in the mountains are doing these things. And, and that's the thing about being from West Virginia that I hear all the time. You know, people are like, what's it like living in West Virginia? Like, like everywhere else, we have cars and houses and the internet and doctors yes. and some and hills, skyscrapers and buildings yeah. and indoor yeah. plumbing. It's like everywhere else. I get it. <laughs> but, you know, maybe maybe we're a little late on the mullet and tight rolling our jeans. But it's <laughs> not this fair. crazy racist hillbilly place. It's very very progressive and and the people are wonderful and and we all have our teeth and there's dentists there and and there's you know two major colleges there and and. Jerry West from the NBA's from there, and uh, you know, I mean, there's wonderful people there. And and I, the funniest thing was people like, "What's it? What do you do in Virginia?" I go, "Nothing. I'm from West Virginia. What's well, the same place, isn't it?" I go, "I'm the fucking idiot." Yeah, yeah. It's, I'm 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 the uneducated person. I don't think you live in Dakota. <laughs> yeah, the Dakota. I, live <laughs> yeah. the I know Dakota. That you don't live in Carolina. It's West Virginia. It's a different state. How far so, from the beach? Well, a fucking state away from the beach. I've been to the old Mexico, but I've never right. been to the new Mexico. Right on. It's like it cracks me up. Like, you know, and, and you're Southern. I go, no, we're on the other side of the Mason-Dixon line. I'm the fucking idiot. You just, you just, you have a map. You just show them it. It's but, really, uh, I mean, I used to do that to booking agents. I would send them maps. <laughs> I'm your new booking agent. And before we started a relationship, I would send them a map. I got. I need you to know yeah. the distance between these fucking places. Yeah, before. you can't have me go to this town to that town in the next day. Go, it's only a fifteen-hour drive. I go, yeah, ten of those in a row will make a person insane. Yeah. So, but I was like, I was like, how can you make a musical comedy out of the Hatfield McCoy? I mean, is there is there a comedy about you know Abraham Lincoln's assassination? I mean, just what the hell? That's quite an innovation, right? It's it's like like I said, it was so interesting, and it, but still, like we would go play L.A. And people go, I hate L.A. and this and that. And we would go and we'd have a good crowd because they wanted to see the interest. What, what are these interesting hill rednecks like it was a like they were coming to see wrong turn or something in person. And I'm like, well, no, my accent's just sexy. That's the only difference between the two of us. <laughs> All right. So. So, hey, so how uh, right now, uh, what is the best way to support the lonely ones, um, both in ways like be it uh yeah, purchase, you know, downloads and things like that, um, or product or just socially, what would you like to see, you know, um, people just, listening you know, to this? Just the same things that you've always done. You know, if you, if you love the band and, and, and the band's music speaks to you, just do what you've always done, you know, come to the show, enjoy yourself. Um, if you, if you got, to, you know, if you want to wear a t-shirt, get one. If you want to, you know, on Spotify, add us to your playlist on Pandora, give us a thumbs up. Um, you know, if you're listening to if you're listening to your local radio station, and they're not playing us, and and you feel that passionate about it, call them up, say hey, maybe maybe play this, and call your favorite DJ up, and, and uh, tell them that you want to hear it on the station, see what it sounds like coming through the through the big speakers. Um, you know, it's like that's the wonderful thing about our job is our fans are the fuel and the the reason we do it, the reason we're allowed to do it, and we they're pretty wonderful people connect with music on such a level that you know when someone sends me a picture that they hand drew of me it's like 
it's a, you know, or something like that, or buys a T-shirt, or or you know, sends a picture of the you know us on their stereo and stuff. It's like people go out of their way to 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 let you know that that they enjoy your music and and you know. So I can't it's like I can't ask them to do anything else. They're they're doing it on their own and it's amazing and and I'm quite honestly blown away that you know when people connect with music how much it moves them and how much what they do to show you how much it moves them is fucking incredible. So, um, also as far as the album uh, release date, do you have do you have one or at least the month? And will there be a physical uh, or just there digital? Will, there will be a physical one, um, but we're just going to release the singles, a single, like once a month, once every sure. until the album's out. Um, and that that way it keeps you know, like I said, people don't go buy records like they used to anymore. The the way people consume music has changed so much. Um, what well, actually hasn't. It, there was a moment there in time where albums were important. It used to be a singles-driven market. It's back to a singles-driven market. Um, so that's you know we get, we want to release a song, give them time to to really to you know digest that song, and then bam, hit them with another one. That way, you know, you know how you get a record and some of the songs that slip through the cracks, and then five sure. years later, you, five years later, you go, why did I not love that song? Well, I don't want to give them a chance to do that. I want to <laughs> I want to you know give it to them, give them time to digest because they're doing the same thing with a bunch of other artists that they like here comes a single from the it get, it's like exciting it's like christmas every month and and that's just the way people get music and and you know i hate to say it but that's the way i get music now too that's what i do now too it's like oh shit the new single's out royal bliss's single just came out yesterday um and i got it i downloaded it this morning i can't right. wait for the next one but you know it's like people's attention spans and their time and people are working longer hours and and the time to sit back and smoke a joint and put headphones on and listen to a record are, are few and far between. So, you know, you have to adapt to the way people's lifestyles are. And I think that's the way it is. You give them, give them one song and, 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 and you give them another one after they're tired of that one, which is a lot faster than it used to be. Right on. Um, but, but the full album, do you have a, a the month or a release date in plan? No. Okay. <laughs> Just whenever, you okay. know, like I said, the, the pandemic has caused us to slow down a little bit. Right. But that was always the plan was the releases. Our plan was to release a song every 10 days until the album was out. Gotcha. Uh, with a video. And we were on schedule. Man, we were on schedule. I was like, I love schedules. <laughs> and, you know, and, and we were on schedule and then bam, everything shut down. It was just like, not only did it hurt the schedule, but it, you know, mentally it was like, what the fuck is happening? Um, it was really, really scary. Uh, not that it's not scary now. Um, but it was really, really scary at first. Like, holy right. shit! Uh, you know, I'm I'm gonna know a lot of people that are not here anymore. Um, right. I do know people that are not here anymore. Um, so it does piss me off when people say this is a big hoax. I um, I don't understand that either. I know at least five people uh, that are uh, they personally they got over it, but it's like okay, uh, everything's political these days, right? We're not gonna get into that, but it, it's ridiculous. Yes, we can. We can get into it. It's like, and I understand, you know, it's like I'm empathetic to to, to people that, that feel like it's a hoax because it is new information and it is scary and it is, does feel like, well, what the fuck is happening? But, you know, at the same time, it's new information. When new information comes out, things change. And, they're, and, and, and when there's a brand new virus and they're trying to figure out what's happening and they're trying to keep people from dying on a mass scale, there's going to be mistakes made and there's going to be people that don't believe it. And there's going to be people. I mean, the whole thing with the internet of 
you know, Hillary Clinton's eating children's adrenochrome and shit. I was like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> my She's hungry. My girlfriend works in. Uh, She's an abuse, uh, uh, domestic violence abuse counselor. She has a master's in uh, sexuality. She knows about real sex trafficking. She's worked with people that have come out of it. She's she's done. She's opened my eyes to a lot of things. Um, and sex trafficking is real, not Israel. <laughs> not not well, to. I, I heard you. I, I I can understand the ant and ant, and I'm I'm hearing you, man. Yeah. You're, you're you're enunciating you're enunciating correctly. You know what I mean? Like, this is a real thing, but they're taking the focus away from how it really works and what really happens. And and the main thing that people don't want to hear is sex trafficking happens because of poverty. People get into it a lot of times willingly because they're promised a better life or they're promised, you know, these things. And they get into these things willingly. Not that it, it was a good decision, but, you know, they, they because of, you know, maybe some a drug habit or maybe someone's manipulated them in but the 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 concept that they're being stolen is very very rare the reason these things are happening is because of inequality in the system um but people don't want to fucking talk about that they want to they want to blow up this big thing that the boogeyman's coming in stealing people at night and the satanic panic that there's these rituals happening where they're eating children's adrenochrome and that somehow fucking tom hanks is a part of it it's ridiculous, and it's everywhere. And it's like I, I would tell you, if this stuff was true, I would, I would have stitched my own outfit, like a super, like a dark vigilante, and went out and beat the fucking people to death. Um, I don't want it to be true, and I, and, and, but it's not true. It's right. like with PizzaGate and all these things. These things were debunked easily when someone. Pizza. I forgot. I did know that one. Yes. Okay. Yeah, when someone who actually knows how to do research and investigative journalism looked into it, it's bullshit. But, you know, you got the Internet and YouTube. Someone makes a YouTube video with some pretty fancy uh, graphics and says these things. And these people, you know, people believe it on a mass scale. It's fucking dangerous. So it takes away from what's actually happening. You know, it takes away from sex trafficking is real. Um, and, and, you know, it's like we, we glorize pimps. That's a sex trafficker. Someone that, you know what I mean? We glorize pimps and. And I remember T-shirts of pimps and hoes and all this shit just not long ago and stuff like that. That that's a sex trafficker. That is that is what it actually. Jeffrey Epstein is what it actually looks like. This glorified oh. version of, uh, you know what I mean? This this outlandish version is taken away from what it actually fucking looks like. And people don't want to look that in the fucking face because they could actually make a change for that. Um, well, you know. How about how about this then? How about uh, we make a stand, stand, Marty, and have tell people actually read the article, not just the headline and the graphic. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. And it's like these these videos and the fall of the cabal and all that shit. I'm no, you know, I'm not oblivious to there's major corruption and major fucked up things. And I'm blown away by Chris Hansen's TV show and the amount of people that do want to do these fucked up things, um, and that are doing these fucked up things. Fuck, what the fuck's Tom Hanks got to pay for it for? He didn't do nothing. Or, but, you know, <laughs> you don't know the Tom Hanks story or he's in uh, on it. And the largest <laughs> and they're they're harvesting children's adrenochrome, which is fucking bullshit. That doesn't work that way. Um, and they're eating it so they can have power in the satanics. It's insanity. It's like get off the Internet and 
when they say I've researched it, they go, um, I, you maybe never taken it. You've never taken a college class where you have to cite three to five sources um, for your point, or you fail the fucking class because a YouTube video ain't ain't isn't that. Well, I'm definitely Googling Tom Hanks after this call. Um, And then the other part is, I just have to say, can we at least, um, not to move on from from the serious things that you're (laughs) talking about. We should move on. It's driving me nuts. We should move on. Okay. But 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 can we both agree, though, that the Earth is flat? Can we at least do that? I don't think it is. (laughs) I've seen the video. I've seen the video, Marty. I would walk into a court of law and with a picture of, you know, the planet Earth from space and throw it down on the table and say exhibit a and then i would say arrest my case that's special effects it's not real it's not real marty it's special effects well i mean it's like i understand not trusting the government i don't trust the government either but it's like there are things you know it's like there are real things that that need attention instead of these huge huge fucking crazy conspiracy theories that are taken away from the real problem all right that, well that are, that are fixable problems um, yes. That we have to look at ourselves and look at our society and and say, this may not affect me, but I, it still needs my attention. Well, I think one thing that's going to solve problems is when the lonely ones get back on their flat earth tour. So when is that going to uh, kick off or, or play? I know everything's kind of in, in a state <laughs> of flux right now, but like, is there... Are you guys going to go on your it, own tour? Is there maybe talk of a package tour that you've kind of um, worked out? I or I don't know yet. Um, okay. Like, you know, we have a great booking agent, um, Alex Gilbert. I always mention everybody's names because I feel like they, you know, give credit where credit's due and, and they deserve to be, you know, the people behind the scenes deserve their, you know, they do a lot of things for us and, and we get all the, we get all the, you know, the, the glory. Um, but Alex Gilbert's really smart. Um, He's he's got some stuff booked in October, but he's not sure that's going to happen. Right. Um, I really hope it does, but I, you know, I, I at the same time, it's like I hope that it, if it does happen, that it's safe. Um, you know that the that the virus is is contained and, and that that it's a smart move to do. I really want to get back to playing, but I don't want to get anybody sick. And right. I feel like it's my you know I don't feel like it's my responsibility to tell people you know you're. I'm smarter than you and you we're not going to play shows because I know what's best for you. I just hope that the science and the, the, the data comes back that it's safe and, and that's something that we can do. And if it's not, then we won't do it. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, but looking great, like, but great. Looking like October. October. All right. But great white did it. So everything should be fine. Yeah. 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 And that's the thing. It's like, you know, it, it we are free to do what we want. Um, right. and if people want to go to concerts and stuff, it's up to them if they want to go. It's you know. Yeah, yeah. It's like if I'm at that concert, I will stay backstage. I will wear my mask. I will, you know, not come out in the crowd like I used to and hang out and do stuff because you know I do worry about you know my parents are older and and I do worry about my responsibility to keep uh, you know other human beings on our planet safe. Um, but you know, it's people make their own decisions and they can do what they want to do. Um, just quit looking at the YouTube videos. <laughs> Yes, I, I agree. So, um, yeah. So, you want to wrap this up? <clears throat> nope. I think we need to go deeper into this Tom Hanks thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what. We'll do a follow up. We'll do an all Tom Hanks episode next time. What, what I, say you? Like, look into it, and then you tell me if I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, I'll eat. If I'm wrong, I'll eat my words. I just don't think I am. Or you'll eat. Uh, what, what was that they ate? They're eating. Adrenochrome. 
Oh, okay. Adrenoc- okay, that's 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 the. Uh, I'll, I'll hold you to that. All right. Yeah, it, it's it's. I mean, it's I. Like I did. I'm so exhausted. <laughs> My Facebook feed is full of people talking about this like it's real. Oh boy. Um, wow. It's the okay. same people. It's the same people that said Obama was bringing in martial law and there were FEMA camps for our dead bodies and they were turning WalMarts. But my thing is like, well, that didn't happen. So do you just go on a gloss over that and move on to the next thing? Or are you going to say you were wrong? Yes. Uh, well, you won't get that from me, but, uh, <laughs> All right, I'll let you go. <laughs> well, here's, here, here's the deal. So everybody out there, make sure what's the name of the next single real big trouble. Is that accurate? Real big trouble. It's a love song. A love, a love song from from the Lonely Ones. Make sure you follow them on your streaming platform of of choice, or download from iTunes or anywhere you can get your music. Are you guys on Bandcamp too? Yep, we're on everything. Okay, cool. So Good old uh, Jimmy, he's he's the he's the younger brain that, that uh, knows all these things that I have no idea what he's talking about. Fair enough. All right, man. Well, I wish you the best, and and looking forward to seeing you guys back on tour. All right, man. Thanks so much for thinking about our band and having us on, man. It means a lot to me. Appreciate it, Marty. Have a great one. Better, brother.